The Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio present Savor 2014, an American craft beer and food experience from Washington, D.C. This recording was from Saturday, May 10th. Private Tasting Salon, Best of Bourbon County, featuring Ken Lee from Alltech Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company and Daniel Harrison from Country Boy Brewing. Hello, everyone. My name is Bradley Latham. I'm the senior event manager for the Brewers Association, who is responsible for this event this evening. And I'd like to welcome you all to Savor, as well as to Salon, which is um, a couple of of brewers from down in the heart of bourbon country. Uh, But these guys are doing beer right. Exactly. Exactly. So, besides welcome these guys to the to town, um, I'd like to say a couple of things real quick. Um, each salon is being recorded on craftbeer.com, craftbeerradio.com is recording them, and we will be posting the audio next week. And so, I would like to introduce our two speakers. So, if you wouldn't mind, we've got Mr. Ken Lee from Alltech Brewing and Distilling. And Mr. D.H. from Country Boy Brewing. So if you guys wouldn't mind, just take a couple of moments to introduce yourselves and say a little bit about your brewery. Well, I'm Ken Lee. Sounds Asian, but it's not. Um, and uh, I'm the master brewer for Alltex Lexington Brewing and Distilling Company. I've been in this business about 40 years. I hate to say that out loud. Um, but I've been, uh, you know, kind of around the country with it, uh, in Kentucky and then Indiana, Texas, and then uh, back to Kentucky. And I um, am the master brewer for the Alltech. Uh, we have a distillery and a brewery. And, uh, you know, one of our specialties is barrel aging. Our company, Alltech, is actually a biotechnology company that specializes in animal nutrition. But our boss happens to be um, really fond of distilling and brewing, so he bought himself a brewery. And built himself a distillery, and uh, he's an Irishman who has a legacy that way. So, um, so I'm in the fun end of that corporation. We're in about 130 countries, have about 3,000 employees. So we're a little different than the average craft brewer, but fundamentally we're still a craft brewer. As a brewery goes, you know, we're about 40,000 plus barrels this year. Did you say 130 countries? 130 countries, 3,000 employees. Yeah. That's amazing. Yeah. You all are. Yeah. We, we actually distribute in China, Hungary, Ireland. I was sent over to China one time just to drink beer with people. So it's, so it's not a bad gig. <laughs> Dr. Danville, yeah, yeah. And on the opposite end, we have this little bearded troll over here. To... <laughs> hey, I'm, I'm DH, everybody. Uh, thank you for so much coming out. Uh, we uh, are about a quarter mile, if that. Yeah, about- uh, down the road from these guys at Alltech, and uh, they've been great to us since we got going. We opened February 10, 2012. We did 500 barrels the first year we were open. We're on track to do 6,500 this year. If this guy gets his ass in gear and make it happen, uh, <laughs> uh, you know we're a we're a super small business, super small company. I got my start in craft beer in Japan. Uh, we we're the great dichotomy of Country Boy Brewing. We uh, usually lead every event 
uh, as the guys that are the wildest, the craziest, and stay out the latest and wake up the earliest and get in the most trouble and pay the most bail bonds. But uh, <clears throat> uh, I lived in Japan for three years, and that's where I met Brian Baird uh, from Baird Brewing. Uh, if you're familiar with them, I think he's distributed here through the Shelton Network. Uh, we're sitting in his bar one day with a, another partner of mine now, and he said, D.H., why, why don't you guys go back? We were homebrewers at the time and opened up a brewery in Lexington. So we said, oh, man, that sounds like a great idea. We should probably go back home and do that. And so we did. And uh, since we got going, it's been amazing. Uh, we opened up as a small spot, brewing all the beer and bartending every day, seven days a week. Uh, and my wife did not divorce me. Uh, for the, the first seven months we were open. So uh, we brewed the first batch of beer January 2nd or 3rd, 2012, and my daughter was born January 6th, 2012. So if you have children, you'll know the sacrifice that she made uh, for small business. <laughs> and uh, it, it, it just worked out that, that we were close to these guys and uh, they, they'd been established for a long time. Uh, we, we talk about as craft brewers coming up on a beer. I came up on Kentucky Ale for the longest time. It was, it was my go-to when we were in any bar, uh, in any party. Uh, and so uh, the fact that these guys were kind enough to help us and give us a leg up along the way really, really made a difference in the, the, the distribution or so footprint that we have. How and many so breweries do we have in Kentucky? Alone? Tiny. We have 13. And Lexington's four of those. Yes. Yeah. But are any of you available here? So what? Are any of you available here? Are any of you <laughs> distributing in D.C. area? Well, as a matter of fact, these guys yes. are distributing yeah, we are. here. We're in, we're in Baltimore and we're in Virginia. And D.C.? Well, you know more than I do. I, this is great. <laughs> I, I, I like you already. <laughs> Legends, yes, absolutely. We, we did an event on Tuesday at Smoke and Barrel uh, just through one-time distribution. It was a great spot. So, uh, yeah, DH and I weren't home for it, but today we do uh, on our property what we call the Pro-Am. And we allow all the, oh, uh, yeah, we, we the homebrewers in the area to come on our property. And they use our water and our yeast, but they make whatever beers they want to make. Yeah, and then today there was one event, the boxing gloves and beer cans or something, right? And I believe so, it was the point five k. The point five. The, it's a point five k. The the run from your all's distillery to or brewery to ours. Yeah. So they have to wear inflated boxing gloves and carry a can. Yeah. <laughs> and they get pardon. And, and, and the homebrews that come on and use your facilities is Beer Engine from Danville? So Beer Engine's already established, and they're getting ready to open a second spot in yeah. Louisville. Okay. So the Pro-Am is for amateurs That's only. That's totally amateur. Yeah. So, amateurs, yeah. okay. Yeah. Just, All right. just for guys that are... I mean, we are, know those folks, and, and, you know, love them dearly, but the, they're, they're pros. Okay, well, yeah. Beer Engine from animals. Danville. <laughs> yeah. Homebrewers home only come to yeah. the thing, and, and we were there last year. It's a great event. Actually, the, uh, one of our partners won the Pro-Am four years ago at Alltech yeah. and gave him the confidence to, uh, I guess, come over to Country Boy and help get us started. Yeah. So it's another yeah. uh, essence of symbiotic relationship, I guess, between the two of us. And, and we're fat, so we like yeah. to point five k It works, <laughs> works well as far as running. Yeah. Back I'll back. even do a point five k <laughs> Not with boxing gloves. No. Before we get too far, you guys are brewers in the heart of bourbon country. 
We're not going to call it whiskey because nobody wants to go there, right? Right, all right. So tell me a little bit of the challenges or pluses for being a brewery right in smack dab in the middle of bourbon country. Okay. Well, I'll start that off. I'll, uh, I'll give you an axiom to live by. All bourbon is whiskey, but not all whiskey is bourbon. Amen. You know, bourbon is very special stuff, and it is a Kentucky uh, creation. Um, it has to be made in the U.S. to be called bourbon. And so uh, it's a very special, special spirit. And um, I'm going to say that everything about being in bourbon country as a brewery is a plus. You know? And we have access to Agreed. bourbon barrels from all the, all the best of the bourbon people uh, out there that have been there for a long, long time. And, uh, and, and in our case, we use a blend of bourbon barrels from all those guys just to feed our habit. You know, because we do it on such a grand scale that uh, we have to have, uh, we, we can't make enough bourbon in our own distillery to uh, support ourselves. So we have to reach out and, and get bourbon barrels from a whole lot of people. About, we're, we're handling about a thousand barrels a week, bourbon barrels. Wow. D.H., how about yourself over there? Uh, bur bourbon in Kentucky rules the state. Uh, the KDA, the Kentucky Distillers Association, uh, is a great friend of ours. They help us a lot. These guys that are an eighth of a mile away, like we said, uh, really, really help us to lobby as far as the state government goes. Kentucky protects bourbon more than they protect anything. And so it helps craft beer to be right behind that. And um, the fact that we can get barrels as quick and as fresh and as good as we can uh, helps us to make the best beer, which is why we, I think, had the idea to make this uh, they should not have let us do this salon because we're out of our league. Uh, but the, the bourbon barrel-aged beers that we'd make in Kentucky, I'm glad that the guys, Peter and Garrett, aren't here, are the best in the world. And I hope they didn't hear that. But uh, we think the bourbon barrel-aged beers that we make are I don't care the best you can that. get. They, okay. they can hear yeah, that. Can they can hear that, that. yeah. They'll be we get right. them fresher. We get them, we get them quicker. We get them you know, conditioned better than anybody else. We could pick up barrel-aged beers, uh, you know, at a small distillery in Frankfurt or in Danville or in uh, Bardstown and get them back to the brewery and get them filled in the same day with, with beer, which makes a big difference. If you're uh, on the east or west coast, you're talking about months, weeks, days, maybe longer of time that that barrel is going to dry. It's going to kind of, you know, go through the distribution channels. So the beers that we're going to pour tonight, well, we hope... Uh, you're gonna dig. We love them, uh -huh. so uh, we hope we're hoping you're gonna like them. But they're the well, let's start with the here. first beer while you're at it. So if you guys wouldn't mind, yeah, that's what I'm talking about. No, 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 no. up to the side. The first beer. We've got multiple. So if you guys wouldn't mind telling us about this first one. All right, this this is the uh, barrel aged black gold porter. Again, we're gonna come back to the collaboration with Alltech. Uh, one of our partners, Jeff Beagle, did a, uh, a homebrew that was entered in the Pro-Am competition in 2010 that won. And uh, this, was, this was the recipe. It was all over town. I can remember going around to Pazzo's and the other great spots uh, around town that, that had served craft beer and drinking this beer that he made that was uh, you know, distributed around town. Awesome, chocolatey, chocolatey great. Marisotter Porter, uh, 
brilliant beer. Then we take it. It's bourbon barrel aged. The version you're getting ready to drink is aged on cocoa nibs. Uh, it works. So, so this is the bourbon barrel aged black gold porter. Do you guys do this in a non-barrel aged version? We do. We do a non-barrel aged version of the tap room. It's it's very very popular and. Uh, so what, what kind of characteristics are we going to get aging it in the barrel versus not? So once you throw in the fresh barrels like we get, you're going to get bourbon, you're going to get the vanilla, the toffee, the caramely thing. It, it, it rounds it out, I guess is the easiest way to say it. Uh, I'm not a beer aficionado. I'm a beer drinker. And so uh, when, when, you, when you put a porter in a barrel, it makes it work in a way that when it hits your palate, it just kind of, you know, comes together. So please taste it. Give me any feedback you think. Anybody have any comments or questions on this beer? Sink, what's it saying? This is in Buffalo Trace. This is in Weller 12 barrels, which we can't call Pappy barrels. But if you know anything about Pappy, Weller 12 is the same as Pappy 12. They won't tell you that because they want to charge you a lot of money for it. But uh, that's the same barrel. So. Jefferson Presidential is a great bourbon. We like to drink a lot of it and make bad decisions. But this beer is not aged in that one. No, it's... Uh, <laughs> Willer, Willer 12, it, it, I don't know if you, any of you all are in the Kentucky market, but the bur bourbon is crazy. So it's, you can't find it. And the fact that these guys make bourbon next door happens to help. So. I got a question over here. Yeah, I've got a question. My yes, ma'am. It might be kind of stupid, but like a lot of the, um, a, a lot of the like recipes call for clones that use wood chips. Um, is... It, it seems kind of like bastardization, but if you're at home and you've only got like five gallons, what should you do? Is it good enough? Yes. I would I, yeah. de definitely, if, as far as bourbon barrel aging goes, if you're trying to, um, to do it at home, toasted, you know, uh, Bourbon barrel aged oak is a great, great answer to that. Yeah, if you can get some bourbon chips for home brewing, that's great. That's certainly forgivable. Yeah, nobody would forgive us, <laughs> right, for doing chips. But, but on a home brewing scale, that's a tremendous way to go. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. Bastardization is kind of a strong, yeah. No. Also, to get a, a bourbon barrel stave to, to put in, a, to put in the back to, is a great, so, great alternative. Bourbon barrel black gold is what we call it. Black gold. Black gold is uh, what we call coal in Kentucky. I'm not sure if that's a legitimate term in D.C., but uh, black gold uh, is, is, is the name of the beer. Have you ever tried this beer in any other barrel besides bourbon? Yeah, we've done, uh, we've done, actually, it's not released yet. We have this beer aging right now in rum barrels from a small distillery in Danville that kicks ass. Can I say that on the radio? Uh, uh, it's really, really good. Tell me the differences in the two. So the, the rum that we're getting is aged in, Daniel, help me, the name of the sorghum guy, his oh, name Daniel. is, 
Danny Townsend is the sorghum king of Kentucky. And so his sorghum is uh, put into this, you know, the, the bill for the, the rum that they're doing. And we're aging in that barrel. And it is killer. It's awesome. But we haven't released it yet. We've just been sneaking it and drinking it on the side. Makes for an excellent beer. It's very heavy on the chocolate, like you said, but there's a lot of vanilla as well. Is that strictly from the barrel? Is that something the barrel's going to do? 100% from the barrel. Uh, nothing else is added to that. Uh, when, when you put stuff in the barrel, especially as much as these guys do, uh, it's amazing what happens. It, the, the kind of magic happens after that. And uh, it's it, Hands off, it's good. All right, let's, let's, let's move to the second beer, if you don't mind. And Ken, if you wouldn't mind, start tell us a little bit about the beer. And you guys are doing an insane amount. So tell yeah. us how much of your product is going through barrels. Well, let's see. Uh, let me start with um, just in general. Our biggest selling beer is about 65 to 70% of our business. That's bourbon barrel ale. And we're going to be over 40,000 barrels this year. Um, so uh, our coffee stout is second. And then all of our seasonals are barrel-aged. So when we did our first seasonal last year, our pumpkin barrel ale, it was barrel-aged pumpkin ale. And then we did a spring uh, pumpkin or a barrel-aged barley wine. And then just as I was leaving Friday, they had just filtered our barrel-aged peach wheat for the summer. So our whole seasonal program is based on barrel aging. So probably 80% of our 40,000 barrel business is barrel aging. And again, that's why we are doing a, probably about 1,000 barrels in a week. I think one of the big differences, if you walk that half a mile, quarter mile, whatever that is, uh, I drive it. But if you, were to, if, if, you were to, if you were to actually walk that and come up and see us and then go down and see DH, I think there's, a, there's scale that's different. And we have a 22,500-square-foot warehouse that's 23 feet tall, and it's, it's held at 38 degrees Fahrenheit just for our barrel aging. So we're just a little different on the scale of what we do. And, you know, we've got some resources that DH doesn't have yet. And, well, you, uh, you just mentioned the, the temperature. Does that really affect the barrel aging and everything? For us, and again, this is all, this is all um, taste profile specific. But for our taste profile, we want that cold barrel aging because we believe that that gives us those softer kind of aromas and flavors. Because inside the barrel, during that six weeks, nature has a way of like seeking equilibrium, right? And so when you put beer in this barrel that once had bourbon in it, there's this equilibrium that starts to happen, this little honeymoon that goes on inside the barrel. Yeah, yeah. And, um, and so there's this change that takes place in that regard. So we feel like that that temperature is important for our uh, flavor profile. Other people use different flavor profiles, but for us, we want that softer, candy-like, vanilla, creme brulee kind of stuff that we get by doing it cool. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and for us, it's a byproduct of not having a, a great cold storage, which I know we, all our guys would like. Uh, we, we are subjected to having the barrels being warm stored which gives us access to, I think we had negative nine degrees and 100 degrees in the, in the warehouse this year. So, 
It's it delicious. That. It's always been delicious. I've drank this one for a long time. Which barrels is this one made in? Now, that one is a blend of barrels because we, we are such a scale. We have to use a blend of like a lot of the major people, Maker's Mark and Jim Beam and Buffalo Trace and Four Roses and Heaven Hill. So we have a blending program and a, and a, and a broker that we go through to have these delivered. And I've been over to his operation. He gets a trailer from distilleries. He takes barrels off. He puts barrels on to our trailer. Yes, yeah we're, yeah, we're very politically correct that way, yeah, yeah. But I mean, we, we do have to have a blend because we are uh, on, again, it's a different scale. Yeah. And you know, and even though we're a bourbon distillery, uh, I told some people earlier, we don't, we're not big enough to support our own habit. You know, so we have, we have to reach out to other distilleries. Okay, where I come from, I come from Washington State and it's, now the wine industry is exploding in Washington State. So all the wine barrels, we can, we can get our hands on thousands of wine barrels, seriously. But to get the whiskey barrel stout, we have to infuse it with whiskey. Now, is your wine completely no infusion at all? And it's if beer. it, there is your beer non-infused with whiskey at all? No. no. I mean, all we're, all we're getting out of that barrel is what is left in that wood. And again, you know, DH mentioned it earlier, it's about being fresh. Because we have a crew of four people, when a trailer backs in, it's got 288 barrels on it. And those guys start unloading it. And they get them on racks. And then those racks are staged. And then we have a crew of four people that start filling barrels. And they get beer in those barrels right away. And we protect those barrels from like oxygen. We fill them with CO2 before we start putting beer in them okay. to protect them from oxygen. And then we, you know, seal them up and set them aside for at least six weeks in that 38-degree um, environment. Okay, to a follow-up question, you know, since we don't have access in Washington State to yeah. bourbon barrels, no. do you guys ever <laughs> grind up the staves? No. No, no. you don't no. and send them out? No. Okay, I'm yeah. done. In our, in, our, in our case, I can tell you that the bourbon, the bourbon uh, life cycle for us is that one of the rules about bourbon, in case you guys don't know, bourbon has to go into new barrels. That's one of the laws about bourbon. It has to go into new white oak charred barrels. And so the bourbon people can only use them once. When we get them, we only use them once. Because, you know, I, I, I was obligated. I tried the experiment, and we tried to use them twice, we did and everything's gone. <laughs> and so it's not worth it, yeah? And so we use, the bourbon people use them once, we use them once, and then they're gone. I'll say this. Uh, <laughs> we, uh, we get bourbon barrels the same as Ken does. Uh, my guys in the back of the house, when they get the bourbon barrels in, we've had... Uh, pitchers filled up with bourbon that's that's left in the barrels when we get them yeah so that one of the reasons why we we wanted to do this and we yeah. talk about uh, bourbon barrel beer in kentucky being the best bourbon barrel aged beer in america yeah. because it is so bourbon heavy but we balance it that way you know when we when we get the barrels in, there's so much left in there that uh, my guys in the back, they can't work the rest of the day when they pour it out and uh, um, drink it. So. And, and just to follow up what these just said, we, we have been tracking. I mean, every time we receive a load of barrels, we're sampling from those barrels. And what we have found on the average is that we get a 12-ounce bottle of bourbon out of the deal. Yes. Yeah. We get a 12-ounce bottle of bourbon. 
Which, 12, ounces, 12, 12 ounces yeah. is about a Friday night for yeah. me. But <laughs> I had a quick question. Um, I'm just curious about your relationship with the distilleries. Like, do you kind of have to woo them to sell you their barrels? And also, do you how much investment do you put into which ones you choose? Because obviously, you have a choice. Okay, um, and if I if I can, I'll go with that. Um, because I'd like to follow up with that. Is like, does the certain distillery make a difference in the barrel? Yes, and uh, let me let me go back a notch. I I, I want to say that the brewing industry beer industry is very fraternal and I think this is a witness to it uh, it's very fraternal um, all the brewers that I've ever met in my entire career we're all pals we all do the same thing every day yes on the shelf we're, co we're enemies right if you will we're competitors let's call it competitors on the shelf we're competitors but as brewers we're the same thing and what I have found is that distillers treat us the same way it's all a, it's, it's all a fraternal thing we're all guys that are making beverages, you know what I mean? And yes, we compete with each other on the shelf, but that's beside the point. Yeah, so uh, it's, uh, I find it to be a very, very fraternal kind of a thing. Yeah. But, but in our case, what I had to do was safeguard the profile. In other words, when I first started with uh, Alltech and took over the bourbon barrel ale, all of our barrels came from one distillery, and that was Woodford Reserve. Well, we outgrew them. And so then I had to find a way to make the same bourbon barrel ale by using a blend. And so it really, it was based on taste, okay? And to some extent, analysis. I, I tend to be a little bit of the science guy uh, because I got all this technology available to me. But um, at, a bottom line is it comes down to a taste. Yeah. You said you use a barrel once. What do you do with them after that? Barrels have a life of their own. You know, if, if, if somebody that builds a white oak barrel and chars it, um, you know, it's going to go through a bourbon distillery and it's going to lay there for four years or six years. And then we're going to see it for six or eight weeks. And then, um, then it'll move on to Spain or um, Ireland or Scotland. And, and, yeah, and people make soy sauce or wines or other... Or shitty whiskey, or, or, right? Or whiskeys. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Bourbon. America. Bourbon. Can you say shitty on the air? I, I, <laughs> it just happened. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> that was an echo. I got, a, I got another question for you. Thanks, Bradley. Drunk Bradley's really good, too. <laughs> so the competition, again, with you guys and the, the Johnny Walkers, is it bringing the cost up of the barrels because they have to use that bourbon barrel before they brew their triple blend or anything else? The I heard about Pappy, too. Like, so do, are you guys getting charged more for the quality of the whiskey? So, <laughs> I'll jump in on that one as a, as a small guy. Um, Pappy barrels are like the pieces of the cross of the Berlin Wall. Everyone has one. You know, you'll, you'll find a brewery in, in South Micronesia that has a Pappy barrel. That the distributor told him was a pappy barrel that's not a pappy barrel. Uh, so for us, it's, it, it's kind of a thing that, do you want a pappy barrel age of beer? Yes, we can get them. Uh, <laughs> Thanks for that question. Yeah. Appreciate that. Yeah. There, there's, there's a lot of good bourbon out there. Um, I drink probably more than all of you put together. Uh, <laughs> I'd like to try a, that. That's not a good I'll thing. I'll call you out on that, uh, D.H. Uh, 
But as far as Pappy goes, Pappy's awesome in the way they the way they uh, barrel age their stuff. So uh, it is expensive, but hard to find. Now for us, we've excited, extremely excited about is in small communities near Lexington, the the craft distilleries that we can get barrels from. And they make great stuff. Do you find differences in taste? Absolutely. But just like craft distilleries and craft breweries, the craft distilleries are making amazing things that are super exciting. And we're super excited about barrel aging beers and those. And that's where we're going forward with is, is that stuff. Ken, you guys have probably had a lot of experimentation with barrels. What, what, what works and what doesn't? Well, what I've found on barrel aging and what I've done experiments on, and I, fortunately I have a lot of technology available to me, um, but what I have found is that when we put beer in bourbon barrels, in the first two weeks, that little honeymoon that goes on in there, you have got all the alcohol you're going to get. The alcohol transfer, the alcohol equilibrium hits fast. Then after that, it becomes all about flavor. And so the reason we pick six weeks minimum is that we've found that in six weeks, and it might go till 10, you, you get this vanilla and this creme brulee and this caramel and this toffee stuff, you know what I mean? And you get all those soft kind of candy-like flavors. If you go beyond that, when you start getting three months old, six months old, nine months old, what we've seen is the pH starts to drop and the beer becomes a little bit more about wood and uh, a little bit more about oak. And then what we found with this stuff you're drinking now is that after over a year, it starts to go back the other way. And this stuff became very, very much like um, dark chocolate. You know, even though there's no chocolate in there, it became dark chocolate, very subtly sweet. The, um, the wood notes and everything were tamed down a little bit, and the oak notes were tamed down a little bit. So um, that's what I've seen in barrel aging is like, again, the alcohol's quick, but then after that, there's this cycle of, of flavor and aroma and changes that take place in those barrels. It's just phenomenal. Both of these beers are great, like, but they're quite similar. So are they both the same base style? Do we have a porter, porter, or what, what were the two of them? Completely different. We yeah. had a hard time discerning them when we got here. So. Yeah. <laughs> No, completely different in, as far as malt, malt bill goes. Yeah, yeah. I mean, a porter and a stout, they're related. They're cousins, but, you know, um, you know, we're a stout, he's a porter. I think one of the things that I found interesting was that our, this beer you're drinking right now, went into barrels just about the time he started his brewery. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a question from this gentleman. Yeah, I'm sorry. For people like me, and this is going to be what you say on the Internet, you're talking about Papillon beer, or Papillon barrel, or Pappy Van, Winkle. Pappy Van Winkle. I have no idea what that is, and I'm sorry for everybody. You so. suck at whiskey. You should I'm drink from the West Coast. Coast. I'm from I, I have to admit, I do I do not know. Right, so, I'm sorry. So Security. Bev- Can you gentlemen school him on what? Security. We need security. There's a beverage in the world called bourbon. Have you ever had bourbon? Yeah, you 
right. We have some fired up ladies in here that love their whiskey, right? Bradley, if you don't mind, I'll I'll scold. I'll you are, I'm shaming you, my man. Um, there's a beverage in the world called bourbon. I don't know if you've ever heard of it before, but it's a, it's a good thing. Most of it's made in Kentucky, and uh, we're very lucky to have uh, 95% of the bourbon in the world yeah. is distilled and made in Kentucky. Uh, Where's that other 5%? No, Jack Daniels is not bourbon. It is not... Tennessee whiskey. Yeah, if you, if you want to fight, Ken and I will get up here and battle you yeah, to the yeah. death. Oh, there could, uh, there could be a fist fight over that one. Not even close. <laughs> so most bourbon is made in our home state. It's something that our state takes very serious as far as the uh, uh, legislators and everybody else. And, as, uh, of course, us growing up, we drink a lot of bourbon. And these f- guys make it. Yeah. And so... Uh, but w- can you just... Distinguish what makes a bourbon from a whiskey. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Bourbon has, has, has several rules that are critical to bourbon. First off, bourbon has to go into new white oak charred barrels. It has to go into new ones. Secondly, bourbon has to be at least 51% corn. Uh, bourbon also has to be no, uh, distilled no more than 130 proof. And... Bourbon cannot go into the barrel at greater than 125 proof. Yeah. And it has to be at minimum two years aging. Absolutely. Yeah. I love this girl. I don't even know her. But I love her. She's from Kentucky. That's a Kentucky girl. You're from Lawrenceburg? All right. I'm from Danville. Excellent. Okay. I love Four Roses. A couple of notes I'd like to make if I can is... um, there There are more bourbon barrels in Kentucky than there are people. Yeah, there are four. There are 4.3 million bourbon barrels, and there are 4.1 million people in Kentucky. The First other all, thing is, I wanted to point out, just to kind of give you a sense of the scale. If you look at our bourbon barrel ale storage, our bourbon barrel beers, just at our brewery, we have 4.2 million servings of bourbon barrel aged beer in our warehouse at any time. All right, one quick question because I want to ask her, I want to allow her to ask Kit a great question, but first of all, in your Pappy Van Winkle question, uh, <laughs> Kentuckians, Kentuckians always, it's, it's, it's never a, what's a Pappy, it's an opportunity to explain it, it's a fine, it's a fine old, it's a fine, it's a fine, it's a fine historic bourbon from Kentucky that was recently acquired by Buffalo Trace, but it's called, it's part of the old Rip Van Winkle line, and it's very hard to get, but it is Hands down, quality of fine bourbon. So if you high um, end, rare. If you're doing, very rare, very high rare. end and rare. It's very That's hard a, to get. Yeah. Last week it came out before exactly. Keeneland, and people were people that showed up at 4 a.m. to get it couldn't get it. So because people have been waiting for 24 hours, but the we question, we couldn't get it. The question the question is she she wanted to know what micro breweries you were um, excuse me what micro distilleries you are bourbon you are brewing your bourbon in. And I want to add to that any uh, any Elijah Craig twelve because I think it's a fine bourbon. <laughs> you like that? I love the Elijah Craig. So. Sorry, this guy's got something to say. Elijah Craig twelve is Buffalo Trace. Before you answer the that. question, though, we're, I think we're all probably a little dry right now. Is there? That's what's another simmer down. Yeah. <laughs> so I was gonna say, like, 
We've got this third beer that needs to be into these guys' hands, if you guys wouldn't mind. Thank you, Bradley. I was wondering. <laughs> you guys? Yep. She's on top of it. Let's keep it going. So this, right now, you're going to taste is the blend of the two beers that we did. Um, barrels from their spot, barrels from our place. Together at our, our house, melded. The, it's, it's a great beer. I'm not going to say it's the best beer you're going to have tonight, but it's the best beer you're going to have tonight. And a, please so is this enjoy the blend it. of the two beers we had this previously? Is, this, is, this is a collaboration between us two. Um, Thank you. Years Specifically the ones we had previously or our years different beers? The, the two beers you just had now collaborative together, blended together in the keg. Everything works much better yes. than you think it would. And this is uh, the, the culmination of tonight, I would say. We How's it tasting, tonight. guys? Who needs to mom? Have you tasted it yet? This is the blend of the two. Yeah. This is the collaboration. Yes, it is. So, but you guys, I'd, we'd love to see craft brewers getting together, brewing a collaboration beer in the heart of bourbon country, but yet they're making a quality beer. I, I'm, I'm going to say that is a wonderful beer. I'm just oh, saying, yeah. Brett, it's the best beer that's yes. here. It's the best beer we've had freaking yeah. tonight, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, I'll go ahead and say that the bourbon, the bourbon lobby out there, the bourbon guys have been great to us. And, uh, you know, they're, they've helped spur on the craft beer industry in Kentucky. Are they challenged by the movement? No. <laughs> no, they love it. No. Uh, they they get what they want, and they know that they can see the kind of uh, the wind moving, and the flag waving, and they love it. when we do something. They're they're on board 100. percent Ken, comparatively speaking, like, what is the production barrel for one of the one of the well-known uh, distilleries versus your brewery? Oh God! Well, uh, some of those distilleries are—they're um, putting out now? probably um, 300 or so bourbon barrels in a day. Yeah, and so we're we're probably, again, given the number that we handle every week, we're getting probably half of those ourselves from several of them. Yeah. So yeah, there, there's the the economies of scale. Some of those big guys like Beam and Maker's Mark—they're putting out a lot of barrels. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, there's a lot of competition for those barrels now. And right? that's what I was going to say. It's like barrels are a hot commodity these days. And do you guys have first dibs or how's that work for you? Well, we're kind of fortunate. Let me say it this way. I mean, as far as Alltech, because of our scale. DH is screwed. Yeah, we, we, have, <laughs> we have buying power, let's call it. And we have contracted ahead of time. Uh, so in that regard, we're kind of ahead of the game. But uh, on the, in the barrel industry, the biggest problem is um, actually the need for new barrels. And uh, they're having trouble with the wood that needs to be seasoned. So actually used bourbon barrels aren't as much of a problem as it is new barrels for the bourbon people. So, come in. Oh, I said we to cut more trees down. Yeah, and again, it's a uh, terrible comment. You know, they are they are you know cutting the wood down, but then they are they have to season it. It has to have a couple of years seasoning before it's charred. 
again, bourbon barrel, bourbon is American white oak. Yes. Yes, yes. Has to be. Charred American white oak, yeah. Okay. No, pardon? That's all. Yeah, oh, really? Didn't know that. Right here. Uh, it's a request. Can Country Boy get an Elijah uh, Craig 12 and make, us a, make this room a batch? I think that would be delicious. Uh, we, we've done a couple of stuff uh, in Elijah Craig barrels. Uh, they're very hard to come by, again, as far as the type of bourbon. So, But we sell our barrels uh, $150 <laughs> a piece on Saturday. If anybody's listening, come by and get one. So. $150 a piece, sir. Come by on Saturday. We'll sell you one. <laughs> So let's talk about this collaboration, though. Let's, this blend. The, uh, the, this beer we were super excited about. Uh, the two beers you first had that now are blended together. Uh, coffee, cocoa. It works. Does it not, my friends? I mean, this beer Did you not. find extra added elements from the barrels? This beer we were hanging out. I think we were drinking at the pub up there at, yeah. at, at Altec. And we put them together out of the barrel, non-carbonated, not cold, having a great time, talking about how good this beer was. And uh, th this is why you're drinking it tonight, is that it, was, it just worked. Yeah, we didn't have to filter to carbonate it. You know what I mean? We knew it was going to be good yeah. just by putting them together Absolutely. as is, right straight from the barrel. This is Kentucky Boy. We'll yeah. take that. Kentucky yeah. boy. Kentucky so boy. Yeah, Kentucky boy. <laughs> it's such a rich chocolate flavor, though. Wow. Yeah. I'm not sure this is licensed for the you general public. You cannot find this beer that you're drinking right now yeah. outside of this room this in, is a, in the world. <laughs> this is exclusive stuff, guys. You, Ken, you, am, I, am I right? <laughs> you no, know, you're right. Yeah, we're going to sell this to the homeless. This beer on will only out. be available tonight in Wonderful. the next five minutes or yeah. wherever this salon goes to. Yeah. For this, we did this. And don't tell the feds. Because <laughs> we didn't pay taxes. But yeah. so vanilla is such a known characteristic for uh, bourbon barrels. What else do you get out of the barrels that you guys are looking for? Are you looking for the specific characteristics or you're just throwing it in there? No, again, for us, um, you know, again, we're, we're throwing it in there, if you will. At, you know, at a specific temperature in a controlled environment. And we are actually, and have learned over time, that if we do that correctly, we will get candy-like, caramel-like, uh, vanilla. Can we simmer down? Yeah. <laughs> Can well, we simmer down, folks? Yeah. I'd appreciate it. And so we're looking for specific things. To answer that question in one word, yes, we're looking for specifics. Yeah. Okay. When the whiskey distiller retires a barrel and you buy it, and you say you buy how much you get, like, a, let's say a fifth out of the barrel or whatever you get out of the barrel, how quickly do you fill it with beer? Because, I mean, this really does have a nice... Yeah, and don't misunderstand me. I, I, I don't want you to think we collect this liquid out of the barrels. We're just trying to find out what's in there. And so we're just monitoring, you know, we're getting, we're getting 300 barrels a day when we get a load. So we're just checking, we're just spot checking to see what's in there. And what we have found is there's 12 ounces of whiskey, but that's, we're not collecting it. 
we're leaving it in there. This becomes part of this beer. Does that answer your question okay? Well, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll tag on the end of that. Uh, whatever's added in there, we'll put it as Kentucky Brewers as this is the reason why our barrel-aged beers are better because they're fresher. They get, they get yeah. that bourbon in there, and then when we get them, and they, they've got a lot of stuff. Yeah, there, one of the we, uh, reasons we're checking to see how much liquid is, is in there is to make sure there's liquid in there. We don't want dried-out old barrels. You follow what I mean? So we're, also we're expecting fresh barrels. The water that the bourbon guys tote all the time, as far as, oh, fresh limestone water, uh, it's the same stuff we're putting in beer. Mm-hmm. And so we say if, if, if it's good for bourbon, it's good for beer. So Is the water characteristic between beer and whiskey similar? Mm. Yeah, the limestone water in Kentucky. Yes. Yes, is the short answer. Yes, um, that, that is an important thing in beer all the time, and as well as whiskey. So the limestone water is absolutely a player, in, especially in Kentucky. Yeah, it's unique to Kentucky. Yes, ma'am. I do have a question. Please ask. <laughs> okay. So um, I apologize if you guys have addressed this already, but is there kind of like a sweet spot of time, like after you put the beer into the bourbon barrels, like when you take it out, have you guys found that kind of sweet spot? Ken's going to be the perfect one to tell you that Yeah. One. And, and again, we know that it's not less than six weeks and probably not more than 10. And we try to manage our inventory so that we're always moving barrels in between that time. If you, if you get into three months, which is 12 weeks, roughly speaking, right? If you get into three months, then you're starting to see a shift in the flavor that we're looking for. Yeah, because I've tried to, like, barrel cocktails before, and it, like, seems like four to six weeks of barrel cocktails is, like, pretty much that nice. Yeah. So the short answer is yes, there's a sweet spot, and we think it's, like, six, seven, eight weeks. Yeah, right there. Yeah. I got a question right here. Yes. What is each of your personal favorites, bourbon barrel distilled batch that you've ever done? Out of what what barrel and what kind of beer did you do? What what bourbon is my favorite or what beer is my favorite? What both. What is your bourbon barrel distilled beer favorite that you've done? So well, a batch of beer. If we're drinking out bourbon. Of what, out of what bourbon? <laughs> oh, but you no, can we, answer uh, both. we do a beer you called. You can answer pres- both. Prescription strength stout is a it's a nine barrel aged or nine month barrel aged uh, Pappy Van Winkle twenty year barrel um, Imperial stout that's awesome. But if I'm drinking bourbon, uh, whatever you're buying is my favorite. Ken, so. <laughs> what, what about yourself? Yeah, and if I'm answering your question correctly, um, when I first you know, arrived at Alltech and inherited the bourbon barrel ale and tried to stabilize the flavor profile. Um, the Woodford barrels were what we were getting completely, you know, we were 100% Woodford at that time. And so there's like this sensory memory I have of the Woodford thing, and I, I kind of have like a fondness of that. Now, I'm not even sure if I could tell you the difference between the two now that, I, that we're making, but Woodford was one of my favorites, really. I would like to say that Ken has been doing it for a long time compared to a lot of craft brewers. Is that an age jab? He means age jab. I'm sitting right here next to him, Bradley. You go ahead and throw me out of the bus. And so, like, what have you seen over time, comparatively speaking? Like, was there always, like, offering you barrels back in the day, and now they're like, I'm not giving you that? 
I have to admit that, um, you know, early in my career, I was with mainstream breweries, so we were making mainstream beers that were somewhat akin to, you know, Bud Miller Coors, that kind of thing. And then I moved into uh, my 10 years with Sam Adams, and I, I really studied and learned how to make craft beers really, really well. But even at that time, Sam Adams was not interested in bourbon barrel beers. And it wasn't until I came to Kentucky, and, and then I bumped into the, the bourbon barrel aging and inherited that, and it's like, okay, this is cool. So that's kind of where I'm at with that. I was just, uh, again, that wasn't part of my life earlier on, and now it's like, you know, a major part of my world. I know we're talking a lot about bourbon barrels, which, you know, I love a lot. That's great. That's and I know that's totally the topic of this. Uh, that's the topic, This is the right? topic of this salon. But, you know, I mean, in, in kind of that vein of barrel aging, what do you think is your favorite besides, you know, bourbon barrels, like the kind of barrels to age things in, you know, like tequila and rum, et cetera? If you've, if you've dabbled in that, I'm sure you have. <laughs> I have to say that I actually tasted one today that could become my new favorite, and it was in tequila. Oh, tequila My one. favorite, my yeah. favorite today. Wasn't that great? Yeah. Fate. In Boulder, that's where Fate, brewing Boulder, did it. Colorado. Goes to so Sile on yeah. tequila barrels. It was absolutely brilliant. Kudos it, to the fake guys. It, it just great. goes to show you about how wood and the stuff that was in the barrel before beer goes in totally changes the barrel, or totally changes beer, excuse me. Uh, when you put it in there, it's, it, it's absolutely amazing. Let me simmer down now, guys. Daniel? <laughs> yeah, um, you this know. guy's got his his flagship beer, which he really produces a lot of. Oh yeah, is a bourbon barrel aged beer. Yeah, and he was asking the 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 challenges and the the good the good aspects of it. So if you can, if you wouldn't yeah, mind, yeah, let me let me kind of describe that. I think that if you look at bourbon barrel aged beers, for a lot of breweries. Um, a bourbon barrel beer is like something they do, you know, here and there, and, and they put something out on the market. That's my way of life, if you follow what I mean. Eighty percent of what we do is bourbon barrel aged. All of our seasonals are bourbon barrel aged. Our main beer, which is 65 percent of our volume, is bourbon barrel aged. So what I run into the most, it's labor intensive. Again, you got four people unloading the truck, and it has to leave there. And Daniel knows this pretty well. It has to leave there and make its way over to where it's going to get filled right away and put away safely. And then on the other side of that, you've got to take them out and you've got to empty them and filter them and then put them back on the truck and get rid of them. And so the labor is just enormous in what we do. There's nothing efficient about bourbon barrel aging beer, by the way. Have either of you aged with whiskey? Uh, I haven't done it. So for Alltech buying all the different barrels from all the different distilleries in Kentucky, is it more like a small batch? So when you, so you're buying all of them and then you mix it into the, to, to whatever that beer is going to be. So it's not like you've got the Woodford and then you've got the Basil Hayden and then you've got the Maker's Mark and each of these beers represent those barrels. Is it all batched together? I, I, what we do is that we take our, our beer batches, right? With and all of the, with all the barrels. Yes, we take our beer batches and Can we you guys put them simmer in down? bourbon barrels. And it may be a mixture of bourbon you. barrels. And then directly after they at you. age, oh. 
we you take those lying. same bourbon barrels and those batches, and then we blend again. So there's these layers of blending. You know what I mean? Yes, because what we're trying to do is we're blending distilleries and we're blending our brew batches. And then we do it again on the, when they come out. So we blend it going in, we blend it coming out. So it's like four layers of blending to, to make what we do. And what I'm trying to do there is I'm trying to keep that flavor profile in a, in a very narrow variability. You follow what I mean? If you were to look at it statistically, and I hate to go all science on you, but if you looked at it statistically, I'm trying to keep that flavor profile in a very narrow band. So it's four layers of blending for us. Yeah? Did that answer your question? All right. More than answer your question, I didn't put you to sleep. Bradley, or is everybody, I'm saying, is everybody ready to go? Obviously. No, I'm, I'm going to get naked in two seconds up here. Oh, my God. This is how I know no one's fucking paying attention because I just said I was going to get naked. I, These fuckers I, I, in the back I, I, I have no idea. Attention. I was paying attention. Is this on the radio? I'm so sorry. Uh, yes, ma'am. Uh, I'm sorry, DH. This question doesn't really apply to you. But, um, so, I mean, as someone who is from Lexington, like, I saw, like, Kentucky Ale, like, you know, I mean, at the beginning, and then Kentucky Bourbon Barrel, like, wasn't really as popular. So when did you really see that rise in the popularity of the bourbon barrel ale? Was it kind of with this, uh, I mean, did it kind of coincide with this rise in the popularity of the bourbon industry? Because the bourbon industry has really experienced a huge push in the past couple of years. Yeah, if I, if I can answer but that. Can, I can, I, I, can we talk about beer versus bourbon over the past <laughs> couple of years? Because beer has been hot. Yes. And so I'm saying in regards to the popularity between the Kentucky Ale, which is like, you know, they're, they're the, I think it's a red ale. Yes. Uh, between the, between the, uh, the bourbon barrel aged, you know, bourbon barrel ale, like when did that real popularity kind of surge for bourbon barrel ale? Because I thought it was okay. interesting that you said that the bourbon barrel ale was your flagship because I always thought the Kentucky ale was your flagship. No, Because no. that has changed, hasn't yes, it? Yes, it has. It has changed. When it, did that happen? And so let me, if I can explain that one to you briefly, I will. And when I came in 2009, uh, Doc Lyons had made a change, and that's the reason he brought me there, was to grow this brewery from what he had before. And he had a beer that people liked, the bourbon barrel ale, but it had, you know, some via, uh, you know, variability. So one of my jobs was to stabilize that. And between that and a push from marketing and a push from sales, we actually shifted the Kentucky Ale as, you know, our, not our flagship brand and moved Bourbon Barrel into the flagship brand. Uh, it's probably nine and 10, yes. By the time the games came, Bourbon Barrel Ale was the official sponsor of the World Equestrian Games. Yeah. Gotcha. Can I get a round of applause for these two gentlemen? Thank you. They did such a wonderful job tonight. And can I get a couple of uh, closing responses from you? I'm here all week. About another hour. That was kind of short. <laughs> Actually, this, a couple of closing responses based on barrel-aged beers. Uh, we think we're doing some of the coolest stuff you can find in the States. Uh, he says a lot of things. We are probably renowned as the wildest uh, group here at 
Sabre or uh, wherever we go. So uh, just give us a little bit of bail money tonight and we'll, we'll be all right. So. These, guys, these guys in the back understand. They're good. They're good. Terrible question for you. I've got bail money. Where are you heading afterwards? <laughs> are you buying? <laughs> Mings. Mings stays we open did. to 5 a.m. Right we around We dare, son. <laughs> if, they, if they serve bourbon and fireball they do. and beers, we're there. Cheers, bro. <laughs> Ken, close it out for us, if you don't mind, because you guys, yeah, no trouble. you've been doing it for quite some time, and it's, it's become commonplace these days. And so, yeah, a whole lot of people are doing barrel-age stuff and a lot of people doing a lot of good stuff. Uh, in our case, Absolutely. we are trying to do um, you know, large volumes and trying to give people a consistent product. And we do our mainstream, our flagship beer, bourbon barrel ale. We do I'm going to cut you off stout. real quick, though. Is, yeah. it, is it difficult to do it on a large scale as opposed to a small scale? And it is. It's difficult in the sense that we have to do a whole lot of blending and a, there's a whole lot of effort into making sure that you don't get something that tastes one way one day and a whole different thing in the other day. So for, for us to put everything into a flavor range, a flavor neighborhood, if you will, that people don't even recognize a change in, that's kind of the challenge. And so we're a little different in that regard, but we're doing it on a larger scale. Uh, it's working so far, and I think we can hang on yeah, as long as, you know, as, long as my meds hold up. <laughs> Let's get a round of applause for these two gentlemen right here. I'd like to point out DH's bright blue shoes. Wonderful. Go big blue, son. Bradley's going to... I'll take over the moderation. He's an Alabama fan. Uh, Rota. I'll, I'll, I'll get up Rota. Y'all want to talk back here? You can't anymore. I'm, I'm going to be a... Kentucky Wildcats is where it's at. So. Thank you guys. So we, we we do have some beer up here if you guys want to finish it off. I invite you to come up here and taste a little more. Cause these guys get a great job. That and that oaky vanilla character is so present. That's wonderful. D Thank you for listening to this recording from Saver twenty fourteen. Brought to you by the Brewers Association and Craft Beer Radio. You can find the rest of the salons from Saver 2014, as well as all of the salons from previous years of Saver, at craftbeerradio.com slash saver or on craftbeer.com. Craft Beer Radio is a weekly beer podcast that you can listen to on iTunes or from our website at craftbeerradio.com.